Hare Krishna. Did everyone chant his Gayatri? Did everyone have his snack and drinks? <laughs> okay, so let me just start off. So, <clears throat> where are we now? Pandavas in the forest. And so, they, at first, they settled in a forest called Dvaitavan. They stayed there. And so when Krishna got the news, what happened? Krishna, along with the Andhakas and Bhoja and Vrishnis, they came to meet the Pandavas in the forest. And Drupad also came with Dhrishtatumna. And so they had a meeting and the members of the Jadu family, that is Andhaka, Bhoja and Brishnis, they became very, very upset when they heard what happened and they all knew that it was simply cheating because Shakuni was cheating, it was not a fair game of dice, it was a cheating game of Shakuni actually had some uh, uh, skill for cheating. He, was, he had some arrangement in that way. And Krishna became so angry that uh, he, it seemed that he was going to destroy the whole creation. And <clears throat> He actually, at that time, declared that uh, very soon the earth would drink the blood of Durjadhan, Dushashan, Shakuni, and Karna. They were actually the wicked ones. Uh, they were together. They were scheming. They were making all those wicked plans. And at that time, Draupadi started to cry and appeal to Krishna that why such things happened to her when she had such valiant husbands, she has Krishna as her protector, still why this happened to her. And Consoling her, Krishna told, don't worry. The way you are crying now, very soon, the Kaurava wives also will be crying, losing their husband. And Drishtadumna at that time declared that he would kill Dronacharya. Shikhandi promised that, took a vow that he would kill Bhishma. You remember Shikhandi, who he is? Abba. Who actually took a vow to kill Bhishma and entered into fire, giving up her body. And Bhima would kill Durjadhan and Arjuna would kill Karna. 
At that time Krishna also told them that if it was unfortunate that he was not in Dwarka at that time. Shalva attacked Dwarka and Krishna fighting with Shalva, chasing him, he was away from Dwarka fighting with Shalva. And that's why he was at that when the dying that game was taking place, the game of dice was taking place. Krishna was not there. And of course we can see this was Krishna's Leela. And Krishna was telling that if he was there, he would have stopped it. He would never allow this game to take place. But then again, we can see that Krishna was there. When Draupadi was praying to Krishna, Krishna appeared. So in this way we have to understand that these are all Krishna's divine pastimes orchestrated by Jogamaya. Jogamaya makes all these arrangements. But what is the purpose? The purpose is to display Krishna's attachment to his devotees and devotees attachment to Krishna. Devotees dependence upon Krishna. So when they were in Dvaitavan, Vasudev appeared there and he advised Yudhishthir Maharaj that in order to prepare for the war after 13 years, there is a need for getting celestial weapons. Because Dronacharya, Bhishma, we can remember Bhishma was trained up in the heavenly planet. And Dronacharya also received celestial weapons from his father, Bharataj. And like Dronacharya, Bhishma, they have celestial weapons. Karna also had celestial weapons. So to prepare themselves, there is a need for getting the celestial weapons. And so he advised that Arjun should go to heaven and collect these weapons. Because Arjun is the son of Indra, so if Arjun goes, Indra will give him the weapons. So upon <coughs> Yudhishthir Maharaj's request, Arjuna left and he walked north, went past the Himalayas and then he came to a region where it looked very, very beautiful, extremely beautiful. And he saw, he heard a voice saying that drop your weapon. In this region, you can't come with weapons. Drop your weapon. Now Arjun could see anybody. Then finally he detected that one person who was very emaciated, very thin, but very powerful looking. And there was a, uh, there was a brilliant light coming from his body. So it was a person, ascetic, a person performing austerity. So he is the one who told him to drop his weapons because one cannot enter into this region with his weapons. So Arjun said, <clears throat> I, am, I have come here to secure weapons. I am not going to drop my weapons. 
and then <coughs> some argument took place and finally this person revealed his identity as Indra himself. He said, Arjuna, I was just testing your determination. So <coughs> then Indra told him, that, asked him, so uh, what do you want? Arjuna said, I want all your weapons. Indra said, okay, I'll give you the weapons, but first you have to please Lord Shiva. We perform austerity. So, <clears throat> saying that, Indra said that, in course of time I'll come back again and to take you to the heavenly planets. And so Arjun started to perform austerities. He stood on his toes for four months without eating, without sleeping, with his hands stretched upwards. So when Arjuna is performing austerities like that, a demon called Mukha assumed the form of a boar and came to attack Arjuna. And at that time, Lord Shiva also appeared with Parvati. And uh, he also uh, aimed his arrow at the boar. And Arjun also aimed at the boar. He quickly strung his arrow, strung his bow, and placed the arrow, and he was about to shoot. So <clears throat> then uh, Shiva, Lord Shiva, in the guise of a kirata, a hunter, and uh, his wife, he said, look, I aimed at it, aimed at this first, so you can't uh, shoot at him. And so this way they started to argue. In the meantime, both of them shoot the arrows and pierce the body of the boar at the same time. <laughs> the boar was there. And so they started to fight and Arjun was seeing that all the arrows that he is releasing, uh, this person very quick, easily deflecting those arrows. It's un inconceivable for a hunter, ordinary hunter, they just, they don't have such uh, power or skill as a Kshatriya. Arjuna saw that this hunter was so, uh, so expert. And at last, this hunter snatched that bow out of Arjuna. So Arjun started to hit him with his fist. And no, first he actually pulled out his sword and he struck him on the head. But the sword broke into pieces. Then he started to fight with his hands. And then, uh, but nothing was Nothing was uh, happening to him. Then finally, Arjun started to worship Lord Shiva for power. And then suddenly, uh, he saw that the flower garland that he offered to Lord Shiva is hanging on the neck of that person. So then he recognized that this is Lord Shiva, so he fell at his feet and Lord Shiva also 
declared that. Uh, that Arjuna recognized that this Kirata was actually Lord Shiva himself. And being very pleased with Arjuna, Lord Shiva gave him the Pashupat weapon. Now we know about Brahmastra, uh, the weapon of Lord Brahma. Now we know how powerful Lord Brahma's weapon is. But Lord Shiva's weapon, Lord Shiva's situation is even more, even beyond Lord Brahma. Therefore his weapon is even more powerful. This Pashupat is able to destroy the entire creation. So, <clears throat> So when then Lord Shiva, after blessing Arjuna and giving him the weapon, he left. So then Garuda just came, flying. And all of a sudden Arjuna saw that the whole place was shaking as if there was an earthquake, massive earthquake. And when he was wondering what was happening, there was a, not only an earthquake, simultaneously an earthquake and a storm. But then he saw it was Garuda who just came flying. Garuda is so powerful that his uh, striking of his wing causes a storm. But when one listens carefully, then one hears that when Garuda flaps his wings like that, the Vedic hymns actually chant out, come out of that sound. When Garuda flies, the Vedic hymns begin to chant. So then Garuda came and told him that uh, uh, then all the demigods appeared with Indra, Kuvera, Jamraj, Varun. Then Jamraj offered Arjun his mess. Jamraj has his mess. Kuvera and Varuna gave him the infallible noose to bind anybody. And many other incomparable weapons. Kuvera gave him the Antardhan weapon. That means Arjun could disappear by using that weapon. And no, this uh, this uh, this weapon actually makes everybody sleep, enemy to fall asleep. Yeah, that's the antardhan, which Arjun will use, uh, will notice when the Kauravas attack Virata's kingdom. Then. <coughs> Indra told him that very soon he would send his chariot to take him to the heavenly planet. So, so then the chariot came in course of time, Arjuna was taken to heavenly planet. The significant things that happened there was Indra made arrangements for Arjun to have a very special treatment there. And one day when Arjun was in the assembly of 
the king of demigods, Indra, he saw uh, Urvashi, the Apsara. And Arjun just kept on looking at her. And seeing Arjun looking at Urvashi, Indra thought that Arjun became attracted to Urvashi. So he instructed Urvashi to entertain Arjun. So according to that instruction, Urvashi came to Arjun one night. And Arjun greeted her. And when Urvashi told why she came, Arjun said, look, I looked at you knowing that you are my, my ancestor, ancestress. Because the line actually came from Purarva and Urvashi. And so knowing that you are my great, great, great grand, grandmother, <laughs> and but Urvashi became upset and she cursed that since you are behaving like an important person I curse that you will become an eunuch for then Arjun tried to plead to her and explain to her why he was looking at her like that. So then Urvashi told that, okay, this situation, you'll, I mean, you'll change your sex for one year only. So in this way, again, we can see how the divine arrangement is made by Krishna. Because during the time of incognito for one year, Arjuna took advantage of this curse of Urvashi and he became, he changed his sex for one year. And then uh, another thing is that Arjuna became friend of the king of the Gandharvas, Chitrasen, who is to teach him the art of dancing and singing. So in this way, Arjun spent his glorious time in heavenly planet. And one day, <clears throat> Lomasha Rishi, one celestial Rishi, came to Yudhishthir Maharaj and told him how when he went to heavenly planet, he saw Arjun sitting on the same seat with Indra. The seat of Indra, <laughs> the seat of the king of the demigods, Arjun was sitting with Indra on that seat and uh, so naturally he was very, uh, very pleased to hear that and at that time Yudhishthira Maharaj actually asked Roma Shurishi that why in spite of being so pious why they are suffering so much. Then Ramashirishi made one point very nicely. He said that, look, sometimes sinful people enjoy. Just as sinful people's enjoyment is temporary. Similarly, a pious person's suffering is also temporary. But a sinful person's enjoyment increases a sinful reaction. 
Whereas a pious person's suffering purifies his heart. And <clears throat> another nice incident, another wonderful incident happened at the time was Bhim, when they were traveling like that, one day Bhim had an encounter with Hanuman. I'm not going to detail of that story. And the whole thing is actually one day in the wind, one blue lotus came flying. And seeing that blue lotus, Draupadi became so attracted, she wanted to have more such lotus. So she told Bhima. And Bhima was very keen to fulfill Draupadi's desires. He used to feel bad that princess, uh, my dear wife, she suffering so much. So whatever Draupadi wanted, Bhima always wanted to give it. Actually, this blue lotus came from the garden of Kuvera in Mount Kailash. So Bhima went in search of that source of these lotuses and on the way he encountered a monkey. The monkey was on his way, lying down. So Bhima told him that, look, move out of my way. The monkey said, look, I am very old. On my own, I can't move. So why don't you help me move aside? So Bhima thought that, okay, I'll show you how to move aside. I'll help you move aside. And Bhima thought that he would catch the monkey by the tail and throw him away. But Bhima couldn't even lift his tail. <laughs> so eventually he found out that that was his brother, Hanuman. And Hanuman actually revealed his identity. And he gave Bhima the direction of where he could get the lotus flower. And as I mentioned, that Hanuman, on Bhima's request, decided to side with them during the Battle of Kurukshetra. Not directly fighting, but just by shouting. And by shouting, he <coughs> inflict so much fear in the hearts of the enemies that they would become weak. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so then, anyway, Bhima, this is one nice incident. And soon after that incident, it was the fourth year of Arjun's going to the heavenly planet was ended. So it was another one year left and they were just waiting for that one year to be over. Arjun left out of the twelve years. For five years Arjun was in the heavenly planet. And then <coughs> one day Then, uh, anyway, so after the completion of the fifth year, Arjun uh, descended from the heaven and they met. Arjun told them all the wonderful things that happened to him in the heavenly planet. And then he displayed all the weapons that he got. And at that time, Narad Muni came and Narad Muni warned Arjun, without an appropriate cause not to use these weapons. 
without appropriate reason, this if the weapons are used, then that will destroy the whole creation. All the that will destroy the all the three worlds. That's upper, middle, and lower planetary systems. And <clears throat> after that, the Pandavas remained in that region, in Gandhamadan, base of Gandhamadan mountain. You remember Gandhamadan mountain? Gandhamadan mountain is the place where uh, uh, the Mrita Sanjivani and Vishalla Karani uh, uh, herbs grew that Hanuman came to collect when Lakshman became senseless. And Hanuman couldn't recognize the mountain, recognize the herbs, so he collected, he picked up the whole mountain and carried it to Lanka. So anyway, so that is the Gandhamadan mountain and Pandavas stayed at the foothills of the Gandhamadan mountains for another four years. <clears throat> then they went to Kammaka forest and at that time Krishna again came to meet with them and Krishna told that look I will annihilate the Pandavas uh, I'll annihilate the Kauravas and so that when the term of your exile is over you can come to Hastinapur and take over your kingdom but Durjadhan didn't approve the idea. I'm sorry, Yudhishthir Maharaj did not approve that idea. He said, no, since I have taken a vow, I'll fulfill that vow. And if they don't return the kingdom, then we'll go to get into a fight. And in that fight, we will win the kingdom. And <clears throat> after staying in Kamakaban for some time, they went to Daitavan, where they were there before. In the meantime, uh, Durjodhan, along with Karna or with Karna's instigation, decided to create uh, envy in the hearts of or embarrass the Pandavas when they were in the Dvaikamakavan to come there and display their opulence. Like, uh, so they decided to come with their royal arrangements with their wives, with their singers and dancing women and maidservants and servants and elephants and horses while Pandavas were staying in the forest. So they just wanted to display their opulence to the Pandavas. So while they were coming, one Gandharva king was having his bath in the river. So the Pandava, the uh, Kauravas, Durjadhan and his allies, when they came, the guard of this Gandharva told them not to go because the Gandharva king is having his bath with his associates. But Durjadhan completely disregarded that. He said, who is the Gandharva king? Who cares about that? And then uh, the fight actually ensued in that fight, Karna was defeated and he ran away from there, his chariot broken. 
And Durjadhan was arrested along with his wife and brothers. So it was a total massacre. So then the, some of the soldiers of Durjadhan who escaped, they went and reported to Yudhishthira Maharaj. And upon hearing that Bhima was very happy. <laughs> but Yudhishthira Maharaj told Bhima that, look, after all, we belong to the same family. It is a disgrace to our family that uh, our uh, brothers, our cousins, their wives are arrested by the government. So for the sake of the good name of our family, we should rescue them. So Arjun went to fight, but when he went to fight, he found that it was his friend Chitrashev who actually taught him the art of dancing and singing. So Arjun told him to release Duryodhana. Chitrashev said, look, on Indra's order actually I came here, because Indra knew that this is what they went to do, to insult you. So to teach a lesson, Indra actually wanted me to arrest them, and bring them to him. But Arjun said, look, Yudhishthira Maharaj said this, that he wants you to release them. So finally, then Chitrashan actually reasoned with him, that Yudhishthira is asking you to release them because he doesn't know with what intention they came here. They came with an intention to harm you. So why should you release them? Why should... So Yudhishthira, but Arjun insisted, no, my brother said, that's what has to be done. And then finally, Chitrasen let them go. So they were released. Duryodhan was so insulted by this act that he decided to give up his body. He sat down uh, in fasting to give up his body. Dushashan, Sakuni, Karna, they all tried to persuade him to desist, but he would not listen. But at that time, when Duryodhana was sitting in his Prayupavishan to give up his body, the demons with the, in their subtle body. And they, uh, uh, demons came and took Duryodhana's subtle body to the lower planetary system. And there they told him that performing great austerities and by pleasing Lord Shiva, they got Duryodhana, who is going to be their main support. Now if Duryodhana dies now, then the whole purpose will be lost. And they told him that when the battle takes place, many of us will go and side with you. Many demons have been born to support you in our cause. And when the battle takes place, at that time many of us will possess 
these personalities. They name different demons. They're very, very powerful demons who would possess the bodies of different personalities. Bhishma will be possessed, Drona will be possessed, Kripacharya will be possessed. And being possessed by the demons, they will lose their sanity and ability to reason and they will become merciless and they will fight with the Pandavas. So being assured in this way, Duryodhana <coughs> then decided to not to give up his body. So in this way, they uh, were, they went back. The, the, he gave up his fasting or prior provision and Then when he went back, after this Bhishma, when heard what actually happened, Bhishma told Durjadhan to give up his enmity with the Pandavas. And however Durjadhan simply laughed at Bhishma's words. Without even replying, he arrogantly walked away from his grandfather, followed by Karna, Dushashan and Shakuni. So in the meantime, they decided to perform a Rajasuya Jagya. But they were advised, Durjadhan wanted to perform Rajasuya sacrifice, but he was advised that as long as Yudhishthir and his, and his father are alive, it will not be possible for him or anyone else in the family to perform Rajasuya sacrifice. So, Durjadhan was advised to perform a Vaishnava Jagya. And Karna actually went and defeated all the kings of the world and prepared the ground for this Jagya. And, uh, but when they performed the Jagya, people, all the kings assembled there, kept on telling that this Jagya was not even one-sixteenth of the Jagya that Pandavas performed. So, <coughs> Yudhishthira, uh, Durjadhan, although heard that, but he had to just tolerate this insult. And clear, and he could, he had to just uh, tolerate, but he was so disheartened to hear that that uh, then Karna told Duryodhan that after they killed the Pandavas in the battle, then he would be able to perform the Rajasya sacrifice. In the meantime, Vasudev actually came there, and this is a very interesting point. Vasudev came and told the episode of a sage called Mudgal. Mudgal performed great sacrifices and austerities. And as a result of that, the chariot came from the heavenly planet to take him. So, when Mudgal was told, Mudgal asked, what is there in the heavenly planet? 
what is the benefit and what's the disadvantage so the representative from the heavenly planet came and described what are the benefits that you can have so much enjoyment and so forth and the disadvantage is that when your piety is finished then you come back to the earth planet so then mudgal said if i have to come back here again then what's the point in going there <laughs> he was an intelligent person and then uh, he was told about the spiritual world which is beyond the heavenly planets and when one goes there uh, one does not come back to this miserable material world that is vishnu loka and vasudev instructed yudhishthir maharaj not to take this temporary situation of happiness and distress so seriously because one always follows the other like when you have happiness then that will go and distress will come just as seasons change uh, as krishna said in bhagavad gita tam stitikshasya bhavat uh, matras parshas tu kontaya shitoshna sukha dukkhada So, in the meantime, Durjodhan, burning with envy and anger, actually Durjodhan is the son of envy and anger. You know who is Durjodhan? Durjodhan is the incarnation of Kali, and Kali is the son of Hingsha and Krod. envy and anger so wherever there is quarrel what if do kali means quarrel and what causes quarrel wherever there is quarrel what is the cause of it envy and anger therefore avoid quarrel and the best way to avoid it is by giving up envy and anger kali will not be able to affect you that's why uh, chaitanya mahaprabhu advised trinadopi sunichena tarori varshishna when you become so humble where is the room for envy and when you are so tolerant where is the room for anger so this trinadopi sunichena and tolerative shahishnuna is simply to counteract kali's influence that's why mahaprabhu put so much emphasis on these two points otherwise we are 
in the age of Kali, we can, we can so easily be affected by the age of Kali. And you can see how Kali spreads his influence. Uh, Kali spreads his influence simply by quarrel. Everywhere there is quarrel. There is quarrel between father and son, quarrel between mother and daughter, quarrel between brothers and sisters, quarrel between husband and wife, quarrel between one society with another society, quarrel between one nation with another nation. It's all over the world. It's a quarrel and quarrel and quarrel. And as a result of that, what's happening? The world is becoming divided. So this is how Kali spreads his influence, by dividing. Divide and rule. Divide and rule is not a British policy. <laughs> they inherited it from Kali. <laughs> Therefore, as devotees, we should always try to avoid quarrel. And the best way to avoid quarrel is by becoming humble and becoming tolerant. So, <clears throat> Uh, then Durjadhan got to know that uh, Pandavas were... Uh, yeah, Dur One day Durvasha Muni came to Durjadhan's palace. Now you know Durvasha Muni? <coughs> Durvasha Muni is anger personified. <laughs> Not Kali's father, of course. <laughs> He's a sage. And the sages curse often. But what is this purpose of cursing? The cursing is actually forecasting. They, we must remember these sages could see in the past, present and future. And they could also determine the reactions of certain action. That's why they actually curse. Curse meaning forecasting. This is what's going to happen. So, <clears throat> Duryodhan treated Durvasa very nicely. He personally attended him. And at the end of the day, when Durvasa was about to leave, Durvasa asked, not a day, end of the day, at the end of few days actually. He stayed there for a few days. He was very pleased with Duryodhan. And he asked what boon he wanted. So Durjadan said, <laughs> Like it's that's a wicked person's nature. He can't do anything good to others, but he always tries to harm. He always tries to harm others. So when he was asked, Durjodhan said, "See, my cousins, the five Pandavas, they're staying in Kamaka forest. Please go to their place. Please go at such and such time. Such and such time means when Draupadi would take her." And after Draupadi takes up Prashad, Durjodhan knew about the pot from Dev, So he knew that that pot could supply unlimited food. But after Draupadi eats, then there won't be any food left. So he said, please bless my brothers. You go and meet with them. At such and such time, Durjodhan is fine. So he arrived there when Draupadi has finished her lunch. And Yudhishthira Maharaj saw Durvasha coming with his thousand disciples. <laughs> That's how he used to travel. 
So with his thousand disciples, he actually, no, I'm sorry, not thousand, ten thousand So <coughs> he came there and Yudhishthira said, please go take your bath and we'll make arrangements for you. But then when they went to take his bath, Yudhishthira Maharaj found that Draupadi already has finished her lunch. And they have got into great anxiety, what to do now? So Draupadi started to pray to Krishna. So that is a devotee. Whenever he is in, he or she is in difficulty, just prays to Krishna. So Krishna came, said, Draupadi, why are you calling me? Draupadi told the whole incident. Krishna said, is there any food at all left? Draupadi said, no. Like nothing. Krishna said, see, if there is something. And then Draupadi went and found just one grain of rice sticking to one corner of the pot. So Krishna said, give it to me. So Krishna took that and he started to belch and satisfaction. Belching, according to Ayurveda, is actually a sign of satisfaction. <laughs> actually, when somebody feeds you, it's understood, it's supposed to be, you should be belching. <laughs> that means you are fully satisfied <laughs> with the prasad. And when Krishna belched, Durvasha Muni and all his followers also started to belch. <laughs> As if they have been fully satisfied. And Durvasha Muni thought what to do now. Yudhishthira Maharaj must have made such elaborate arrangement for our prasad. And if we go there and if we can't eat, uh, then he'll be very angry and really he'll curse me. <laughs> so they just ran away from there, <laughs> didn't come back. <laughs> so this is how Krishna uh, always protected the Pandavas because they were his devotees. <clears throat> So another very exciting incident took place when they were in the forest. Jayadrat, you remember Jayadrat? Jayadrat, uh, he was one of the allies of the Kauravas, Udurjadan's friend, and he was married to Dushala, Durjadan's sister. So Jayadrat was going to marry the daughter of Shalva in South. Shalva. And on the way, he was, when he was passing through the forest, he saw Draupadi in that cottage. And he couldn't believe his eyes, seeing such a beauty. So he sent the prince Kotika to find out who this woman was. And she came, he came and told that this was Draupadi, the wife of the Pandava. She's alone in the cottage. So Jayadra thought of kidnapping Draupadi. So she went, he went and proposed. Why such a beauty is being wasted in the forest where nobody can see her? You can't become my queen. I'll make you my principal queen. And Draupadi said, look, 
a gentleman, a civilized person should speak to a woman in this way. Nendropa uh, Jayadra tried to forcibly get Draupadi, catch Draupadi or but we can see the Kshatriya woman so powerful that when she pushed, Jayadra just fell on the ground. <laughs> he became even more angry. So in the meantime, Dhoma came running. Dhoma is Pandava's guru, Kula guru. And so he tried to, he told Jayadra that this is not the way one should behave. And mind you, you are dealing with the Pandava's you are actually playing with a snake. And by this act, you are inviting your death. So please leave the place. But Jayadra didn't pay any heed to <coughs> any heed to Dhamma's words. So he forcibly got hold of Draupadi, dragged her to the chariot, pulled her onto the chariot and drove her. And he was, uh, Dhamma kept on running after his chariot. And in the meantime, Pandavas who were hunting in the forest, they saw that the birds were flying and the animals were running here and there. So they considered that something was wrong, so they said, let's go back to our cottage. And when they came there, the maidservant, told what happened and then they gave a chase to Jayadrat. Very soon he could see the army, they could see Dhamma was running behind their chariot and so they picked up Dhamma on their chariot and in Pandavas picked him up and <coughs> then they started to slaughter his and at that point, uh, yeah, they killed Kotika, the prince, and Jayadra then took Dro uh, Draupadi and ran in another direction. So Pandavas actually, Bhima actually gave a chance. No, he dropped Draupadi and ran for his life. Draupadi was in his chariot. He dropped Draupadi and he ran for his life with a ch driving in a chariot. He, was, he wanted to fly, fly away. And so Pandava, Bhima and Arjun told Yudhishthir Maharaj to take Draupadi back to the cottage with Dhamma and they would deal with Jayadrat. Yudhishthir Maharaj told Bhima not to kill him. He said, because if you kill him, uh, after all he is our cousin's husband, so that will cause distress to Yudhritarashtra and Gandhari. So don't cause any pain to them. So Bhima and Arjun chased Jayadrat in their chariot. And then Jayadrat's horses became so tired that it couldn't go anymore. So Jayadrat came out of his chariot and started to run on foot. So Bhima and Arjun, when they saw that Jayadrat is running on foot, they also abandoned their chariot and ran on foot. So this is also another Kshatriya valor. That way, they would equal 
the enemy. They wouldn't take advantage of it. They wouldn't be in an advantageous position. And they would fight with the enemy on an equal position. So they ran after Jayadrat when Jayadrat was running away. And then finally they caught him. Bhima had such anger pent up that he gave a vent to that anger by beating Jayadrat. He just grabbed him by his head and started to smash the head of a stone again and again. And <clears throat> then when Jayadrat lost his consciousness, he stopped. But again when he gained his consciousness, he started to <laughs> beat him again. <laughs> and then Arjun told Bhima, Bhima, Yudhishthi Maharaj told us not to kill him. Bhima became angry. He said, how unfortunate that my saintly brother <laughs> always shows his mercy and kindness <laughs> to those who don't really, don't really deserve to survive. He said, then he told Jayadra that I'll spare your life if you go to Yudhishthira Maharaj, fall at his feet, beg forgiveness. And also beg forgiveness from Draupadi. So <clears throat> Jayadrat was taken to Yudhishthira Maharaj. And he begged forgiveness and even admitted that he would become his slave. Yudhishthira Maharaj let him go. But Bhima shaved his head and kept five tufts of hair on his head, indicating that he has five masters. Sikha actually means we are surrendered to a master, spiritual master. So <clears throat> that's why it's important to maintain Sikha. Sometimes I notice that nowadays it has become a fashion to get rid of the Sikha. Uh, don't do that. So keep the Sikha. That is the Vaishnava. No Sikha means Mayavadi. Mayavadis don't keep Sikha. So Jayadrat was so upset, so upset being insulted in this way, he wanted to take revenge. So he performed great austerity. He just didn't go to his kingdom. He stayed in the forest, performing severe, severe austerity. And as a result of that, Lord Shiva came and asked him, what do you want? Jayadar said, give me the boon that I can kill the Pandavas. Shiva said, no one can kill the Pandavas. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> then Jayadar said, then Lord Shiva actually gave me the boon that one day he'll be able to defeat them, the Pandavas, except Arjuna. So that also we'll see the relevance during the battle of Kurukshetra, during Abhimanyu's death. So <clears throat> this is how uh, this incident actually took place, Jayadrat being in uh, being chastised and punished and taking revenge, trying to take revenge in this way.
and <clears throat> so then one day when they were in the ashram, one very interesting thing happened. Uh, one deer, one uh, rishi had his aruni cut, aruni wood. Aruni is a wood by rubbing that they used to make fire. So they used to hold it like two, two of these uh, sticks used to be tied up in a, on a string. So the string, it was the Aruni was hanging on a branch and one deer came and this Aruni stick with a rope got entwined in the, in the horn and the deer ran away. And this, actually this is for a sage, for a rishi in the forest, this is their very precious possession. Because fire, uh, they need fire to perform sacrifices. And Aruni is not so common, it's quite rare, tree, rare branch. So they went and came, reported to Yudhishthira Maharaj that this is what has happened, a deer uh, has escaped, deer ran away with this Aru there, with his Aruni on his tree, on his horn. And so Yudhishthira Maharaj along with the other Pandavas tried to catch the deer. And they went uh, looking for the deer, running after the deer. For a long time they became extremely tired and they couldn't catch the deer, they couldn't even find the deer. And <coughs> very exhausted, very thirsty, they just sat down under a tree. And they became so tired, so thirsty that Yudhishthira Maharaj told that see let's if there is some water nearby. So it seems that there is some water because we can see some water birds are flying overhead. So there must be some water nearby. And so Shahadev climbed up a tall tree and he detected that there was a lake nearby. And so he came and told that I detected the lake, so I'll get it, get the water. And so he left. For a long time, he didn't come back. So in the meantime, what actually happened, when Sahadev came to the lake, he heard a voice saying, before you approach the water, you answer my questions first. If you don't answer my question, you'll die as soon as you touch the water without my permission. But Sahadev didn't want to pay any heed. He was already so thirsty and he thought, who is going to threaten me in this way? Who cares about anybody's threat? But as soon as he went to the water, he was dead. Then, when he didn't return for a long time, it was decided that Nokul would go. And the same thing happened to Nakul. Then when Nakul didn't arrive, didn't come back, Arjun went. Same thing happened to Arjun. Then Bhima went and same thing happened. And finally Yudhishthira Maharaj went. So when Yudhishthira Maharaj went there, he heard the voice, he asked, who are you? 
He said, I'm a crane and I am the proprietor of this lake. This lake belongs to me. Actually, I'm a Jaksha. So, be careful. And see what happened to your brothers. The same thing will happen to you. So, Yudhishthama is looking. So, tell me what are your questions. So then Jaksha came with about 25 questions and Yudhishthira Maharaj answered one after another those amazing questions. Like let's say tomorrow if we have the time we'll go through these question answers. It's very amazing. One of the things as which is very common to us, well known to us, is he asked what is the most amazing thing? What is the most amazing thing? And Yudhishthira Maharaj's reply was, although everyone is seeing that so many people in the past have died, so many people are dying, and everyone will die in the future, but he thinks that he is not going to die. <laughs> That's the most amazing thing. <clears throat> anyway, when Yudhishthira Maharaj answered all the questions, then Jaksha became very pleased. He said, so tell me, I want to give you a boon. What boon do you want? So Yudhishthira Maharaj said, please revive Sadev. No, please revive Nakul. So the Jaksha asked, Bhima and Arjun are your greatest support. Now without asking for Bhima and Arjun to be revived, why are you asking Nakul to be revived? Brought back to life. So Yudhishthira Maharaj said, because <coughs> from Kunti's side, I am still alive. But from Madri's side, no one is alive. So I thought that uh, let Nakul be revived so that from Madri's side there will be one survivor. And at that, hearing that, the Jaksha then revealed his identity. He said, I am Jamraj, Dharmaraj. So I am very pleased with your answer. I am very pleased with your conduct, with your behavior. So I will revive all your four brothers. So then he revived all the Pandavas. And then he asked Yudhishthira Maharaj for some more boon. Then Yudhishthira Maharaj said that soon our one year of incognito will begin. Will start. So please give us the benediction that no one will be able to recognize us during that time. So Dharmaraj said, Yes, granted. He said that <clears throat> even if you live in the biggest city, surrounded by all kinds of people, without even hiding your identity, 
still no one will be able to recognize you. Even if you remain, even if you remain in your present identity, uh, by my blessing, nobody will be able to recognize you. But still, I will advise that you go to Virata's kingdom. And for this one year, you stay in Virata's kingdom. And there, you stay for one year. And then the Pandavas was being blessed by Dharmaraj in this way. They all got together and they decided now uh, what kind of identity to take. And they decided to go to Pirat's kingdom. We have about five minutes left to one thirty. Does anybody have any question? Yes, Utkrisht. Come here, come closer. In Mahabharata of that Vasudev, this Mahabharata doesn't say that about Draupadi. It was that the Pandavas, he was insulted because Pandavas and their servants were laughing. Because in the Mahabharata I was saying when the YouTube mother teacher told that so that's also a very like a real Good that I didn't see him. <laughs> yeah, that there is a thing. Generally, it will be seen like that. You see, in the Vedic culture, a woman generally doesn't come out in public. Unless there is a reason for Ashutama is still there. Ashutama, like a madman, is roaming around in the Himalayas <coughs> because of his sinful deeds. Vishnu Gada Prabhu. Maharaj, you were speaking about how Yudhishthir Maharaj agreed to uh, do the dice match. Of course, we you know we're familiar with the four regulative principles in dice is gambling, and uh, 
the, the explanation is because his superior told him to do it, his, his, uh, you know, his father's brother. Of course, there's sometimes when superiors are told, or we're told by a superior and we reject that, like, uh, you know, Bali Maharaj and Brahma uh, told the four Kumaras. So, could you give a little more talk about the reasons yeah. why? Okay, thank you. Uh, you see, that was Dwapar Yuga. Mm. And in Dwapar Yuga, uh, you see, the custom actually was, previous to Kali Yuga, that when a Kshatriya is challenged into these two things, one is to fight and one is to give, play a game of dice, he cannot refuse. He is kind of Kshatriya's duty bound, in a way. And in Yudhishthira Maharaj's cases, like, this question comes up, because he knew that everybody knew that such Sakuni is cheating and will be cheating. And it was their, you know, it was their ploy to take everything away from them. Although they knew, but they could not refuse. For two reasons. One is Akshatriya cannot refuse a challenge in a game of dice. And the other is, the superior is asking, Dhritarashtri is asking, so he couldn't, you know, to come to the palace, inviting him. So he couldn't refuse. That was the condition. <clears throat> and another thing is, you see, there are, you know, when we read Mahabharata, we see that there are two considerations, you know. One is the moral consideration, the other is the Krishna conscious consideration. Like Krishna conscious consideration in Mahabharata is hidden because it's actually establishing mainly karma kanda section of the Vedas, not pure devotional service. So that's why Mahabharata has another. Because if it's a Kshatriya consideration, I mean the Kshatriya can actually decide whether he is going to accept the order or not. Because Kshatriya is, has the right to be independent and decide for himself. Kshatriya, you know, like for example, the in the game of dice they lost. A Kshatriya can stand up and say, okay, fight, and let's decide. Kshatriya's ultimate recourse is fight, physical and military strength. But we can see, we see that Yudhishthira Maharaj is not really acting on that principle. He is actually acting on the principle of morality. Similarly, Bhishma is acting on the principle of morality. Whereas for a pure devotee, the consideration of morality is secondary. What really matters is Krishna's will. That's why it is said that when the consideration comes, the Yudhishthira Maharaj had to see the hell. He had to go to hell because he told a lie. But the actual consideration is not that he told a lie. The actual consideration is that he did not accept the instruction of Krishna. That is his fault. Whereas Arjun, whatever Krishna said, you do. Thank you. So, yes, last question, gentlemen. Thank you, Maharaj. This is sort of to uh, expound a bit on what Vishwagadapabha was saying, because um, I was thinking the same thing, but also 
there seems to be other um, exceptions for uh, Chetria's, uh like they hunt, we're told that's so that they can practice wartime. I've also been told, if you can tell me if it's true or not, um, that they would sometimes eat meat and sometimes take intoxication as well. It's sort of depressing to think that Maharaj Yudhisthira wouldn't be able to get initiated in that ISKCON. <laughs> um, so, and, and um, is, is that true? Especially with like the hunting thing, does that um, condone vivisection now? Or sometimes we, you know, we put animals through torture for human benefit. Is, is that the same category? Or how do we understand this? Well, <clears throat> you see, in other ages, at least the Varnashram consideration was somewhat intact. In Kali Yuga, there is no Varnashram. Varnashankar. That's why there is no proper Kshatriya or there is no room for one to act like a Kshatriya. Now Kshatriya had license like for these activities. But they would not buy meat in the market or the supermarket and then eat that meat. They'd go to the forest and hunt the animal. And because you see they're warriors, they're Kshatriyas, they have the license to eat meat. Because they're royal, you know, descendants or living in this royal environment, yes, they had the license to drink alcohol. Like what to speak of the Kshatriyas, I mean, they're also Kshatriyas, like Krishna's own people. What happened to the Jadus? They drank, they became intoxicated and they started to fight him. So that means, you know, Krishna's own family members also drink. But the situation, the thing is, there was no ISKCON at that time. <laughs> if there was ISKCON, if Prabhupada established ISKCON in Dwapar Yuga, then in order to join ISKCON, they would have followed his principles. <laughs> ISKCON is in another dimension, way beyond all that. <laughs> but we can see that in Krishna consciousness there is some room for a certain, you know, degree of enjoyment. But in Mahaprabhu's movement, we don't have that. In Krishna, Krishna's associates can indulge. But Mahaprabhu's associates don't indulge because for them it's insignificant. Those who are preaching, they are in another dimension. Akshatriya may be attracted to drink alcohol, but Iskun devotee lost the taste for that. Isn't it? Do you have any taste for alcohol, by the way? No, no, no. <laughs> So that shows. <laughs> Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.